The Bible says in verse number one, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. It's pretty clear there, right? There's a lot of vain building going on in our world right now because the Lord ain't building it. It's man doing it, our abilities doing it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Heard a preacher talking about that statue in the book of Daniel, how his feet are nothing but miry clay and a mixture of miry clay and steel. And he said, in reality, if you ever built anything on that, it would not stand. And he said, as, as believers, as children of God, we look at the world and we say, how much longer can this thing last? How much longer can this go on as long as God wants it to, amen? He's in control now. He's holding this thing together. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As children are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Let's pray. to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for tonight. Lord, we thank you, Lord, you have given us more. Lord, more than we ever deserved. Lord, we got, we got it all when we got saved, Lord. We got eternal life. We've got a, a friend that is constant and consistent in our life. We've got a Savior. We've got a new Father. We've got new life. Our past has been forgiven, washed away under the blood of Christ. But Lord, then I found out you had more. Lord, there's heaven waiting for me. Lord, there's what I long for, what I look for. But tonight, Lord, I can say I've, I've experienced more in my Christian life. And I thank you, Lord, that you never once told me to go by myself and do it, do it all on my own, uh, trust in my own strength and my own ability. But Lord, throughout this routine and Lord, throughout this life, Lord, you've allowed me just to hold on to your hand. And Lord, you've took me places that I could never imagine. And I'm so grateful for that tonight. And Father, Lord, as we get into this subject tonight, Lord, help us, Lord, to Lord, look at the word of God for what it says and for the truth that is in it. Lord, help us tonight to apply that into our own God. A child that is brought into your home is a, is a wonderful, he calls it right here in Psalm, a reward, right? We were looking this up, getting ready for tonight, and I was talking to Miss Becky about it, and, and they came up with a statistic that said that the average child over their lifetime will cost $310,000, to bring from birth to uh, 18. That's just one. Well, I want to say praise the Lord. We are on the Super Saver <laughs> Express, amen. <laughs> amen. Frugal, we ain't cheap, we're frugal. But no, really, you think about it this way. If, if somebody was to come and give you $310,000 and just give it to you, you would not treat it nonchalantly. You would not think it as, as something that is just small or insignificant. You would say, this is great. This is amazing. They've given me this amount of money. But you've got to realize our children are growing up in a generation that the modern day thinking is that children are nothing more than a hindrance. They're nothing more than just a, a leech that sucks the life out of you. You have children, you can no longer have a career. You have, no, you have children, you no longer have a social life. You have children, they just take everything away from you. But I think we have to, we have to realize that's, that, that's why, you know, when I was growing up, depression amongst kids my age was something you didn't hear about. Right, I'm pretty sure there was some. I understand not every home was perfect. 
but it wasn't heard about, right? We were outside playing football. We were outside, you know, uh, running around, playing sports, doing what kids do, you know, having that, la- that typical childhood. But something switched, I think, with the internet, with, with technology, and now all this information is available at just a moment's notice. So there's no telling what your kids have heard, what they've been exposed to, and how that has, has maybe influenced their thinking. But may I tell every single one of you children, and not mine included this evening, you are a gift from God. Right? You are, you are a wonderful thing. You're a wonderful creation from God. You say, well, preacher, I don't have children, or I'm past that, that prime, or I'm past that, that, that stage in my life. I've made it through. Preacher, this sermon isn't for me. I'd encourage you. You may not have your children in your home anymore, but I understand there's a lot of you that they, those youngins like to come to Nana and Papa's house. And you can create an environment tonight that, that is according to the word of God, even when they're over there. You may not be able to be with them 24-7, but when they're in your home, within your walls tonight, you can, you can have this kind of environment uh, in your home. And so we realize that tonight he says is that, that, that the, the fruit of the womb is his reward. And he says, as arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Where the Kim talked about applying heat. But arrows have a purpose, right? You don't look at an arrow and say, hmm, I wonder what that is for. I wonder why you have that and what you use it for tonight. We understand what it's for. It was used to, as, a, as a weapon. It was used as a defense mechanism. It was used to help procure meat and put meat on the table. And yet to realize that having children is not just something that you, uh, it's just, you know, it's one of those things you just do it and you kind of just, you know, it, it is what it is. But rather, God gives us children for a purpose. He gives us children for a reason. And as a parent, right, it is us, it is our responsibility to go into God and say, all right, God, you've given me this child, you've given me these children, and Lord, help me to realize the purpose, the reason why. Lord, help me to mold them like the arrows, right? And well, what's the end product look like, preacher? I think it's down in verse number five. He said, happy is the man that hath his quiver full. Now, there's a lot of people that say, well, that means you've got to have 27 children. That eats their own tonight, amen. <laughs> they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. As a parent, one of my responsibilities and your responsibilities is to raise our children that they could look at the enemy at the gate. That's the enemy in the most powerful place with all everything coming against them and for them to walk and stand boldly and say, I am not afraid of you. Because my parents instilled in me the truth that I need to stand for God and to live for God. And so we're going to see tonight, well, how, how does that take place? What does this relationship look like? I'm going to give you three characteristics of this relationship tonight. And, and like I said, I'm not preaching as one who's got it all figured out, who's got it all, I understand it all, I've arrived in this subject. But these are just things that I want with my children. I want in my relationship with my children, and I think if it's, it's what I want, if it's what the Bible says, we ought to all want in our relationships with our children. Notice number one, it should be a nurturing relationship. Take your Bibles, turn them to Ephesians chapter number six tonight. Ephesians chapter number six. Hopefully you brought your Bible flipping fingers and uh, to find your, your, these, these verses tonight. Ephesians six, verse number four. Ephesians, Ephesians six, verse number four. The Bible says... And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the old preacher. Why did you start with the parents tonight and not with the children? You know, you need to preach on obeying your parents. You need to preach on uh, being respectful and cleaning your room and doing your chores and all that wonderful stuff. You've got to realize that responsibility and accountability does not start with those who are in lesser authority. 
It starts with those that are in a higher authority. I've heard preachers blister young people. I mean, ever since I've been a young person, uh, preachers have blistered how terrible young people are and how disrespectful they are and how arrogant and prideful they are. And it's one thing after another, and it just clicked me one day. Well, somebody's raising them. Right? Those things are learned behaviors. Those are, 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 are things that are their environment and that relationship. So first thing God says in Ephesians 6 is that your relationship with your children need to be a, needs to be a nurturing relationship. He goes on to say in verse 1, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But notice who he, who he put in the context there. Fathers. Now, we've already heard it tonight, and, and I can say, I'm probably alone, nurture is not my go-to. Right, I, 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 when I think of the word nurture, I think of my wife. I think of mama. A kid gets hurt and uh, scrapes her knee. I still remember vivid as day. We were visiting my grandfather, and we were in the, the, the downtown of Winnetou, Nebraska. It's a single, single road in the middle of nowhere. And I had come running down the sidewalk, and I had hit a loose piece of sand and dirt, and I slid, and I could, I, I promise you, I could see my kneecap. That's how bad I, I thought it was. And boy, I just broke down into tears. It hurt. It was painful. It was me, my, my brother, my dad, and my grandfather in the pickup truck. And now I'm thinking about that. We were all riding illegally. <laughs> now, you can do that back. You can do that when it's in the, there ain't police there. <laughs> They're on a horse somewhere. But I remember I slid that thing was, but I was crying. And my dad was just, put his arm around me. And I remember my grandfather saying, Ted, what kind of boys you raising? My dad said, hush, son, hush, quit crying. I can't, dad, I can see my, my kneecap. Right, and so nurture is not a, is not a, a man's go-to. Right, it's, it's not a man's natural response to things. Well, that's why it requires you and I to trust the Lord to raise our children. God, give me what it takes to be a nurturing parent unto my children. He says, provoke not your children to wrath. In essence, don't, don't push them towards the edge and then get mad when they fall over. Right, I, was, I, was, I read a story uh, as I was preparing for this and it said that there was a, uh, a stagecoach company and they were looking for applicants to drive the stagecoach. They'd have to go through a mountain pass that was treacherous and dangerous. And the first applicant came in and they asked, they said, sir, if you're driving the stagecoach, how close do you think you can get to the edge and still drive the stagecoach? Oh, he said, oh, that's no problem. I can get within a foot of the edge and still drive the stagecoach. They said, well, thank you, sir. We're not looking for you today. We're, we're going to have to go for somebody else. So he left. They brought in the second applicant. And they said, how close can you get to the edge and still drive the stagecoach and still feel safe? He said, oh, well, I tell you what, I could probably get within six inches of the edge and I, I could still drive that stagecoach, no problem. They said, well, thank you for your time, sir, but we're not going to hire you. They brought in the third guy. They said, sir, how close can you get to the edge and still feel safe driving the stagecoach? He said, I don't want to get nowhere near the end. I will stay as close to the inside as I can. They said, you've got the job, sir. Because that, that is, that is a, a good sense of ability. That, that's a good thought process. And when it comes to raising our children, right, we can't push them towards the world and, 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 uh, and allow them to get close to that edge and allow that edge to be something that intrigues them and fascinates them. And how are they going to get exposed to that? Well, they're going to get exposed to it through their parents and I. And we can't provoke them that way and push them that way. And then when they go that way, all of a sudden they say, well, why'd they do that? 
right? You, you might make it safely, but those that are following you might not. We see that, well, what does it mean to have a nurturing relationship? Well, it's a place of cultivation. See, that word nurturing gives the understanding of cultivation. And right now, listen, I am turning into an older, older man quicker than I anticipated. Now, I'm still young in body, but man, my, I, what is it? I'm an old soul, amen? I, I, we just planted our garden last week. I mean, I've been checking the weather. I've been looking at the projected forecast and, and the, the temperatures, and I said, well, there's a whole week, and it don't look like it's going to happen again. There might be one here or there where it's not going to get below freezing. I said, we can plant, right? I was excited about it. I've built me a little garden system in five-gallon buckets, and I, I've been composting all year long. And we filled up those buckets. We planted those seeds uh, last week or Monday. And, I, man, I've been excited. I've literally got out there every day. I mean, I haven't, I haven't made sure my kids have eaten breakfast. I haven't made sure they have what they need to make it through the day. I've been outside looking at the buckets. See, now, preacher, really, I, I'm going to tell you right now, my snap peas are already coming up. Well, I'm excited. I've got basil and cilantro and uh, chives that are growing in a little thing. Oh, I'm excited. Right, but when it comes to raising our children, right, we often, we, we understand the need to shelter them. Right, to, to, to protect them from this world. But parenting and nourishing and nurturing them is more than just sheltering them. But it's the act of cultivation. It is the act of, uh, of working with them and, and, and teaching them and training them that we'll get into in just a few minutes. But it is, it is that, that, that desire that I'm not just sheltering, but I am helping them grow in a safe place because one day they're going to have to walk out of there. And one day they're going to have to leave. It's just like a greenhouse. You, greenhouses are built to start plants. Right, it gives them a safe place to sprout up. It gives them a safe place to, 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 to get the roots in the ground. But you take those plants out and you put them in a garden and you, and you put them in the ground. And because of what has already been done to them, they are able to prosper in the new situation, in the new place. And when it comes to that relationship with our children, it needs to be a nurturing, a cultivating relationship. It's providing a place to prepare them to produce their own fruit. Right, for God to work in their life. It needs to be a nurturing relationship. It goes on to say right there in verse number four, to bring them up in the nurture, in the admonition. Now notice that phrase, to bring them up. That means that's the responsibility of the parent, right? It's amazing how many parents, well, I'll just bring them to Sunday school to get everything they need, right? I'll, I'll drop them off at the schoolhouse and they'll learn everything they need. It doesn't quite work that way. It's to bring them up. That means you're bringing them along with you, right? You, you're, you're, they are living life with you. But bring them up in the nurture, and then he goes on to say the admonition of the Lord. That word admonition means exhortation. It means encouragement. Your home ought to be a place of encouragement. Now, some of you, like I said, I understand not every home was perfect. And some of you can go back to your childhood, and you would say, preacher, my home was not that kind of place. My parents didn't have it all figured out. I understand that. They don't know all that. But preacher, my home was not a place of encouragement. It was not a place where, where, where you know, the successes were, 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 were rewarded and they were praised and the failures were taught and learned from, right? Well, and you got to understand, it's hard. It's hard to break a child's spirit. But one of the quickest ways to do it is in a home that is lacking encouragement, one that is lacking admonition. If the kids, and here's the thing, if the kids don't find the encouragement at home, they're going to go to the first place they find it at. I remember being in high school and they were teaching us about gangs. 
and they're trying their best to, to, to teach us not to go into gangs. And they said one of the reasons why kids, young men, young boys go into gangs is because typically there's a father figure who's missing at home or is lacking at the house. And they're looking for somebody who's, who, who just believes them in the, in the sense or somebody who, is, who seemingly cares for them. And here's the thing, they really don't care about them, but they know how to draw them in. And the same is true in, in the Christian life, right? If there is no encouragement in, the, in, in, a, in, a, in a Christian family's home, if there's not a place of encouragement, and he's so preacher, that's my wife's job. No, your father's. Your father's. It'd help, it help you to, to go to them and just encourage them on something they're doing good. But preacher, they're not doing it the way I, I think that, that, I, that it should be done or they're not doing it in the, the fashion that I, I think it could best be. Well, that's where training comes in. But you still have to be encouraging. You ever, you ever worked for somebody that seems like nothing you did pleased them? How many enjoyed working there? I didn't. I, was, I mean, it was aggravating. I was waiting for another boss to come in. And yet that plays out in our home so many times. Kids feel so less than and so, so just down, downtrodden and discouraged because there's no admonition in the home. So our relationship with our children ought to be a nurturing relationship. One that is cultivating. One that is, that is ex, of exhortation. And so we see tonight it ought to be a nurturing relationship. Let me ask you tonight. What is the scale of nurturing within your home? Dad? Grandpa? Right? Is it just, well, you know, I'm, I'm just so busy, preacher. Well, you need to get your priorities straight. You need to get this thing figured out. You need to go to God and say, all right, Lord, I, I struggle with being nurturing. Lord, would you help me to be nurturing? Would you help me to admonish my children? Help me to encourage them and exhort them to be a nurturing relationship. Notice number two, it should be a training relationship. Right? Two out of the three or four that testified tonight dealt with this issue of training and discipline. Right? And not that it wasn't performed, it can always be performed better, but it should be a training relation. Take your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter number 22. Proverbs chapter number 22 tonight, go down to verse number 6. We've, we could probably quote this if you've homeschooled your children for two months. This is your life verse probably. <laughs> Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. He will not depart from it. Train him up. Well, it's already been mentioned tonight. Training takes consistency. It takes discipline. Right? It takes you literally setting everything else aside to teach. And it takes consistency. Day in and day out. Just like it is with discipline. If you're going to discipline, you've got to discipline them evenly and across the line in every situation and every opportunity. Not every, or that sounds bad, every opportunity. But every time it arises, right, it needs to be dealt with because if it's not consistent, then children don't know what to expect. I was reading a thing on the internet and it talked about a, a Sunday school teacher interviewed her children in her class and asked them for some uh, things that they thought about parents. What were their opinions? And what were some things that they wished their parents knew? They just didn't know how to quite express it to them or how it would be received. And they told them. And one of the kids said, well, I wish that my parents were consistent. And they said, because over the small things, they take everything away from me. But when it's the big things, but they're busy, they don't deal with it. Right? They said, I, I wish I could just know what to expect in every situation. 
And here tonight, we're going to see that training takes consistency. It takes discipline, right, to train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. So it takes consistency, right, day in and day out. And that's more than just spanking, amen. It takes training. You got to think about this. Training is more than just telling you're doing something wrong. It is teaching them how to do something right. Right, I remember when I, when I started in the cabinet shop. When I interviewed, I told the, the boss that I knew nothing when it came to cabinets. And all he asked me was, do you know how to use a drill? And do you know how to read a tape measure? And I didn't know how to do those two things. Barely, but I knew how to do those two things. But I mean, there was saws and there was routers and there was 19 different things within an arm's reach that would take all your fingers off. I remember my first day I walked in, I was working with Brother Mike Andrews down in the top shop. <laughs> he said, Tate, have you ever used an orbital sander? I said, a what? <laughs> right, he, he showed it to me. It's one of those air, pneumatic air power, random orbital sander. Now, I know what they are nowadays, but then I'd never seen one. Most I'd ever seen was sandpaper. Right, and so he's like, do you know how to use one of these? I said, I'm pretty sure I get the concept. You sand something with it. He said, well, here's how you hook it up, and here's what you're sanding. I had a, a stack of four-inch long, about you know, four-inch wide, 12 inches, 24 inches long. They were stacked about 30 deep. He said, this is your job for today. You're going to sand all of these. And so I learned real quick how to use an orbital sander because I didn't do anything else for the whole day besides sanding those things. But he didn't say, all right, Tate, well, you know, since you don't know anything, go grab that plywood and run it through the table saw for me. Let's see how this goes. Right, but there was guys that took their time to train me to show me how to use things. And the same thing is true within your home. Right, We expect this great product out of our children. We expect them to be greater than we were and smarter than we were and all these kind of things. And yet, if we don't take the time to train them, we don't take the time to teach them, how can we expect that out of them? It takes training tonight. It ought to be a training relationship. It takes discipline, consistency. It takes direction. What is the end goal? In the way he should go, right? And in essence, we, uh, if I were to say, do you want your kids to serve God tonight for their, the rest of their life? I think every parent in here would say, yes, preacher, that's what I want. So how are you training for that to be accomplished? How are you teaching your children to do that? Right? How are you, how are you uh, expressly and on purpose training them to do that? Right? Just like... TR the other night when we had all those preachers, uh, the young preachers preach, he had come to us. He said, I, you know, I've been wanting to preach this for a while. And, 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 and he said, I, I'm going to preach that. Well, I didn't say, all right, son, grab your Bible and go for it. Right, I sat down with him and said, here's how dad gets sermons together. Here's how you study this. Here's how you outline that. I wish tonight that he, <laughs> listen, if he could have got all that by himself, he's probably the next Charles Spurgeon. Right? But it's training and teaching those things. And not just on spiritual things, right? If you want your kids to have a work ethic, you want to train them that and teach them that. If you want them to, to, you know, to, to love and to do all those, be respectful, then you're going to have to train them how to do those things. <laughs> I remember hearing a preacher say, well, here's what our children need to learn. Our girls need to learn to be girls and our boys need to learn to be boys. And he said, here's how girls need to learn how to be girls. They need to learn how to bake biscuits. Like, really? <laughs> That's it? That's the secret, Miss Raylan. That's all you got to do. <laughs> you bake the biscuits, daddy will eat them, amen. <laughs> it's more than that. Right, boys just got to learn how to, he never, there was never anything mentioned about what the boys had to learn how to do. 
<laughs> training takes direction. There's got to be an end goal there. What is my, what, why am I training? What am I training them for? Because if you don't know what you're training for, how do you know what to train or how to train? Right? Could you imagine you say, well, I, I, I want to I train uh, for something special. Well, what do you know to do? I think about, you know, those Olympic athletes, right? They know what they're training for. Every exercise, every meal, everything about their day is, is going towards this goal of winning an Olympic medal. And the same ought to be true in our Christian life. We say, here's the goal I want for my children. I want them to marry a godly spouse. Well, you have to train them how to look for one. The characteristics of, of a godly spouse, a godly wife, a godly husband. I, I, I want my, my, my kids to serve in a godly church and in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a church that believes right and, and does right. Then you're going to have to train them what that looks like and teach that to them. So it ought to be a place of training. It's, it requires discipline direction. It, it requires discussion. It requires explanation. Here's why we do what we do. And here's why we, we, we don't do what we do. And it's more than just telling them. And I, I remember I was probably six or seven years old, maybe a little bit older than that. And I had a lady that was, she was our, she was my babysitter. When we were living in Colorado, she lived right across the, the, the road from the elementary school that I went to. And me and my best friend, Eric Sanchez, went there every day after school. And man, listen, it, now I, I was a middle child. So that means I got forgot about all the time, right? Now, Eric Sanchez was an only child. That means he had everything. Tate, you want to come spend the night? About yes, I do. I just got a brand new Nintendo sixty-four. I'll be there. I mean, he had a ping pong table, pool table, basketball goal, N sixty-four PlayStation. He even had a thing that hung on the back of the door. The door you threw a baseball at to tell you ball or strike. It was amazing. Best friend I ever had. <laughs> now, his mom never let him come over to my house. <laughs> But notice here tonight, it's not just telling, but we, we'd go over to this lady's house. I can't, I can't remember her name to save my life right now. But I mean, she, was, she smoked like a chimney. It was one after another, after another, after another. Sweet lady, nice lady. But I mean, she just, just one after another. Light them up. I don't think it ever went out. But during that school year, we had red, red I can't even say it, red ribbon week. And that whole week is, is to teach the dangers of smoking and the, the effects it has on your body. And so I just told her what I learned at school. And I remember we were walking out of a store and I said, now, you know, those things cause lung cancer. They're not good for you. She said, oh, yeah, I know that. But don't do as I do. Just do as I say. You don't need to smoke these things. As she was taking it out, put another one in. Right, the same, I mean, that's, a, that's a pretty extreme example there, but that when it comes to training our children, right, we can't just say, hey, do this, and I'm going to hold you this standard that I'm not going to hold myself to. Because you know what turns more kids away from the church? It is not necessarily the music is old-fashioned. It's not because we use a King James Bible. It's not because we, 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 have, we don't have all the nice facilities and the fun classes. It's because when they go home, the expectation that is held to them is one that is hypocritical. They hold their children a higher standard they hold themselves. And so we see here tonight that, that training, it takes discussion, it takes explanation. <laughs> there was an English poet, his name was Samuel Coolrich. He had a man over at his house and they had invited over and they were talking about raising children. And this other man said, well, you know what, I, I don't think you ought, to, you ought to present anything to a child. You ought not to teach them nothing like that about, about God or his word. You ought to let him make that decision for himself, for themselves. You ought, to, you ought to let them come to age and they'll make that decision for themselves. Well, Mr. Samuel Coolridge said, well, 
I've got a garden outside. You want to go see it? He goes, oh, man, I love gardens. Yeah, we'll go see this garden. So they walk outside, and the garden is nothing but weeds. And he said, Samuel, I thought you said I had a garden. You had a garden. He said, well, you know, I didn't want to infringe on the, the weeds, and I, didn't want to, I just wanted the, the flowers to make their own decisions and the weeds to make their own decisions, and here's what you end up with. Now, you say, well, preacher, that's, that's wonderful. That's great. That's a long time ago. I remember hearing that in my lifetime. I remember hearing parents say, well, I'm just going to let my kids make their own decisions. When it comes to things of spirituality, when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to going to church, I'm going to let my kids make their own decisions. And yet they won't even let them make their own decisions about brushing their teeth. What clothes they're going to wear. If they're going to go to school or not. Right? If we're going to hold them to all those, then we ought to do the same thing with God's word. Right? As a parent, it's not your job just to let them free reign, right? You free range chickens, not your children. You bring them in, you teach them, you explain them, you train them. So it needs to be a, rela- a training relationship, a nurturing relationship. Then notice number three tonight, it needs to be a spiritual relationship. A spiritual relationship. Take your Bibles, turn all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. I appreciate that's Old Testament, but it's full of truth, amen. Deuteronomy chapter number six tonight. Deuteronomy chapter number six. This is that book of the Bible when you're trying your best to read it through the years. It's probably the one that you get hung up in. <laughs> You make it through Leviticus just to get the numbers in Deuteronomy. But look at Deuteronomy chapter number six tonight, if I can get there by myself. Go down to verse number six, Deuteronomy chapter number six. And it says, in these words, which I command thee, this day shall be in thine heart. God is talking to the nation of Israel here. He's dealing with them. He's speaking to them. Verse number seven, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy Children, now shalt talk of them when thou sittest down, sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Right? So he, he notice this. He says, "Listen, I'm going to tell you some things, and you need to teach them to thy children." Notice he didn't say, "And hey, I'm going to tell you some things, and Moses needs to teach them to your children." Or, or put it this way: in our, in our modern day speech, it, or, well, that's why I bring them to church. You can teach them these things. Listen, I'm going to do my best, dead level best to preach the word of God, preach it with authority, preach it with conviction tonight, but I, we're only here on, on, a, on a long Sunday, an hour and a half. On Sunday morning and maybe an hour and a half on Sunday nights and maybe an hour and a half on Wednesday nights. So we're three, three to six hours every week. It's not enough. That's not enough, amen. And so they're instructed to teach them, so it requires explanation right there in verse number. He said, thou shalt teach them diligently diligently unto thy children. Don't leave it up to the preacher, the Sunday school teacher, the children's church teacher, or the public school teacher. Right? And that's one of the, one of the reasons I'm a big proponent on, on homeschooling. Because as much as, as, I mean, I'm public school educated. I, I, I mean, I can read, I can write, I can do arithmetic. Right? I, I, I took it all the way up to calculus, don't remember none of it, never used it since then. I've never had to figure out how fast water is flowing out of a funnel in my entire life. We just guess at that thing. Yeah, you probably get about a cup in an hour. <laughs> I don't know the equation no more. And I'm learning, but I can tell you there's a lot that I learned in public school I wish I hadn't learned. I wish I hadn't been exposed to. You know, so well, preacher, there's Christian teachers there, and there are, no doubt, there's Christian teachers. But you know how hard it is to actually outwardly share your faith in a public school? Without the, the school system and the board coming down on you, 
I was watching a documentary not too long ago how there was a man who, who had to literally go to court and, 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 and fight for his right to share his faith because he simply told the truth about eternity in a public school system. Right, so they're, they're instruct, we're instructed to teach and explain them. Right, one of the best ways you can do this is when you're riding home from church. What'd your Sunday school teacher talk about? What did, what did they teach on? What did you learn from that? Right, when you, and of course, there's, there's different expectations, right? I, if I were to say, you know, TR, what did Miss Caitlin teach on you today? In your Sunday school class, I'm not expecting him to say, well, she did a wonderful survey of eschatology. <laughs> right? If he said that, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> What'd you say about that? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> but I mean, because I printed something, oh, I know what they taught about, what she taught about. Thought about the blood being applied to the doorpost, didn't she, bud? Yeah, that's what she taught on. Because how do you know? We asked him at lunch today. What, what did Miss Caitlin teach on? You know, what did your Sunday school teachers teach on? What did your children's church teacher teach on? Miss Raylan talked about the Esther cake, or the Esther, yeah, Esther cake or bread or whatever it was, and she said, "Dad, it was all right. <laughs> it was, it was different, but it was you know, all the. It's one of those things, right? Just learn to, to ask those questions, to to be involved, but even more so, right? You know." Ask your kids what they read in their Bible today. But also be ready to share with them what you read. What they prayed about, what you prayed about. Right? They're instructed to teach. So he said there's this, there's this act of teaching, right, on purpose. Right? You know, just like you went to school, that teacher didn't say, well, I'm not sure what we're going to learn about today. Well, just open the book and see where we land. They had lesson plans, prepared teaching that was there. That You need to have it in your home as well with your children. Where you sit down, I'm not saying you got to sit down, have your Bible open, have a notebook, six highlighters, uh, a concordance and all those things. But listen, when things arise, right, when, when problems arise or issues arise, you need to sit down with the word of God and say, here's, here's why we don't do that. Or here's why we do it this way. Right? So there's this instructed to teach. There's, they're instructed to teach. But notice this. He goes on to say we're also instructed to talk. You second, the second half of that verse, now shall talk of them. What? Those things God has commanded. When thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou rise, that sounds like you're living life. You're sitting down, you're sleeping, you're getting up, you're walking, you're sitting at the table. And so here the Lord says, yes, you need to teach that to him, but at the same time, you need to have discernment, understanding on just everyday life and how it applies to God's word. Right, we all, like I said, we often think that if we're going to teach our kids the Bible, then we got to sit down and have Bible class. Nothing against that, but it's not always feasible to do that in everyday life. But I guarantee there are moments in life, in everyday life, where if you're discerning, you're allowing the Spirit of God to deal with you, and you're, you're, you're living that way in that sense tonight, he will bring things up to you that are wonderful teaching moments. Now, my kids, and, and I, I'm a firm believer in a young earth, what does that mean, preacher? I believe that God created the earth in six or seven literal days. We understand that tonight, but I also believe it wasn't millions of billions of years ago. Right? I believe it. You go through the historical account of the Bible, you can add it up, and, and, and all that things come from, you know, somewhere around 6,000 years. I firmly believe that tonight. You're not going to, you're not going to persuade me otherwise. And, and my, that's what I've taught my kids. Right? That, that's what they believe. And so when we go to museums, and they have billions of years ago, there was an amoeba in the water and it just automatically turned into a monkey and the monkey turned into a man. We know what we do, we laugh. That's not what God's word says. 
And we just chuckle at that. And we're like, they got that one wrong. And in essence, so there's, there's that way of it. But also the other day, me and T.R. were riding uh, back from playing disc golf. And we had, uh, we're, in the, we're in the van and I had talk radio on. If I'm not listening to preaching, if I'm not listening to singing, I'm typically listening to talk radio. And we're, we're listening, riding the minivan and they're talking about Ukraine. They're talking about Russia, Moldova and all that's going on there. And they made this statement. They said, we're very close to World War III. And T.R. asked me, he said, Dad, he said, do you think World War III is going to actually happen? I said, well, son, I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I, I, I'm not exactly sure if it's going to happen now. I said, I know the Bible says that the whole world's going to come against Israel one day. So I know there's a battle of Armageddon. I said, but I'm not sure about World War III. He said, well, Dad, we probably just need to move to space. Right, and we'll, we'll, we'll move to the moon and we'll live on the moon until it's all done with, then we'll come back. I said, well, son, that's a great idea. I said, but here's the thing. It's not feasible. Right, because you can't just go move to the moon right now. And so, and so even, I said, even if World War III does break out, I said, that's where we learn to trust God. And we believe the Lord. He promised he's going to take care of us. He promised he'll provide for us. He'll meet our needs for us. Whether World War III happens today or tomorrow or 20 years down the road or if it never happens. Right, we, can, we, can, we have this trust in the Lord. And so it wasn't like when he asked me, Dad, is World War III going to happen? I didn't bring out a... Uh, a, a graph, and I didn't bring out a, a history book, and, and all of a sudden, out of the, 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 what is that thing called, the, the, the sun visor, pull out a map of the world. It's all right, so let's have a political talk and political lesson here. But in a simple time, you just say, all right, listen, even if it does break out, we're going to trust the Lord. He's going to take care of us. <laughs> my wife was praying, and I'll, I'll finish up with this. My wife was praying. Uh, Lord, she asked the Lord, Lord, give me some practical, everyday things that I can used to teach my children about truths of the word of God. One of those, be careful what you pray for. <laughs> you may not always know the answer. We were somewhere and uh, the people have dogs and we were sitting down in the living room and that, one of those dogs did what dogs do. Just throw up all over the floor. Gross, disgusting. Makes my stomach turn thinking about it. But what made it, y'all can guess what that dog did. <laughs> Talk about a picture lesson, object lesson. And there he is, the dog, just doing what dogs do. Ms. Becky said, you know that's what the Bible says? The dog returns to its vomit. And she asked, do you think that, that dogs actually get anything good from that? No. Do you think that dog actually enjoys that? No. Right. You see, that's the same way when it comes to sin, right? We know sin is wrong. We, we know it's not right. We know that in the eyes of God, it's disgusting. And any time we go back to it and we try to go back to it, we try to enjoy it, she said, it's as if we're just like the dog going back to the vomit. Can I say, those kind of lessons stick with kids. <laughs> it sticks with kids. I mean, I'm not saying that I go, you go home tonight and I hope it happens on your living room floor. But that's where it comes. You've got to have a personal relationship with the word of God. A daily relationship. That way his word is in your heart. And when you're walking through life with your children and you see things take place, you can say, hey, listen real quick. You know what we just seen was in the word of God. Took them down to the mission. And said, listen, we love these men. We, we enjoy feeding them. We enjoy preaching to them. But all these men are here because of choice. 
They made a choice somewhere along life that has placed them here, that has put them here. We'll drive down the road and we'll see people who are obviously on, you know, on drugs or things like that and teach on the fact the Bible does say the way of the transgressor is hard. Right? Sin does have a payment. It does have a, a consequence to those things. And so you've got to learn to, you know, it should be a spiritual relationship. Yes, you ought to sit down and explain things when the circumstances are there, but also learn just to do it in life. As you're walking, as you're laying, what did it say? As you walk us by the way, when you're in that house, when that lies down, when that rises up, say, Lord, give me something to teach my children today. A spiritual truth that'll stick with them for the rest of their life. <laughs> Guarantee I'll never look at a dog doing the same thing again, the same way. What should our relationship be? It should be a spiritual one. It should be a nurturing one. And it should be a training one. Let me ask you tonight, mom and dad, is that the kind of relationship that's in your home? Those that testified tonight said, I wish, I mean, they were, they regretted it in the sense that they wish it never happened and they never had kids. But they said, well, I wish I could probably have some more of that in there and have that the way that God designed it to be tonight. So I encourage you, mom, I encourage you, dad, have a nurturing relationship with your children. Have a training relationship with your children. Have a spiritual relationship with your children. Let's pray to him.